Okay, my guys, welcome to the first AFC North Talk. Uh, this is something, if you follow me, you follow my channel, you seeing uh, Ace and you seeing um, Mr. Tony here. And yes, we're missing the clown fan. Okay, I mean, it is what it is at this point. He might show up and you guys can tell him. If not, Quincy, I hope you watched this part at the beginning. But Quincy will be part of the channel. We thought you guys seem to enjoy this. So let's put all, you know, all of us together. We're going to try, especially in the season, to do this once a week to review uh, every time we play each other, right? So um, obviously, Sonny from SCG Sports. I'm going to let the other guys introduce themselves. And like I said, this is basically a collaboration with AFC North. Ace, take it, man. Uh, yes, my name is Ace Boogie. I'm representing the Cincinnati Bengals on this channel. Had so much fun with these guys. Um, I love the perspectives that they bring. And we wanted to do something a little bit different and bring you guys a full scope of the AFC North from all of our vantage points. And we also like coming together and talking about different topics. This one is going to primarily be free agency, but I am Ace Boogie of New Stripe City. I'm uh, Tony Serino. I am formerly of Locked On Steelers, uh, so anyone who's watching who knew me from there, uh, I have a show again. Uh, here I am. I'm excited to do this with you guys because, you know, look, this was one of those things where the first time we got together, it, it felt like we, you know, that was special, uh, and I'm glad we did it again, and now here we are. We can do it on a weekly basis. I'm excited. Uh, and I'm excited not only because, you know, when I go on these podcasts, I usually make Ravens fans really angry. I'm excited now that I can not only make Ravens fans really angry, I also want to make Browns fans and Bengals fans really angry. So doing that on a weekly basis is just going to bring some joy to my heart. <laughs> okay, so before we go uh, into the specific uh, free agency per, you know, AFC North, let's talk of how much the coronavirus is affecting Houston. <laughs> Hopkins got traded for nothing. I thought we were I about mean, to get serious for a second. I was like, All right, we got to do a serious coronavirus thing. All right, I'm going to drop the jokes. Got it. <laughs> okay, for, for real, for, for COVID-19, wash your hands. Stay, uh, stay away safe. from people. Yeah. Stay safe. Okay, but now, Houston, you have a problem. Your boy, he can coach. I don't know if he can be a GM. I still don't get this move. Um, this one's insane. I mean, yeah. I um. So so they they, they so the, the trade is got a first at least a first right. They got a second, and, and next a, year's fourth, and next year's fourth. But and they said and they got uh, Drake, not Drake. Um, no, they got, David, they got Johnson. David Johnson, which used to be good. He, he needs to prove himself. He hasn't been good. He's got a huge contract though. All right, I just, it doesn't have, make any sense. Okay, so so it's just not me, right? Because I was oh. like, I, I was here. Uh, I got early home today. And I was watching. It's like, oh, uh, Houston acquired David Johnson. That's how they broke the news. Okay, like yeah, that is crazy. how they broke it. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, it's not a bad, you know, they, they <laughs> you know, they they let him go high. That's not bad, David Johnson. Okay, um, and then oh oh wait, blockbuster block David Johnson blockbuster. What are you talking about, man? Blockbuster, <laughs> D Hop. I was like, "What? Yeah. D Hop? We're talking about probably, arguably, the best receiver in the league currently. Top three, without a doubt. Maybe the That's best. Yeah. Top three. Top three. Probably the doubt. best wide receiver yeah. in the league yeah. right now. <laughs> and I'm like, for that, right? Yeah. For a second, and and a and a pick, essentially a pick swap, right? Because they gave a fourth, and they're getting a fourth back, and then yeah. they get David Johnson. Who, yep. again, he's on this... Look, the guy had, what, 700 total yards last year? He lost his starting gig in Arizona. Right. 
So, you know, it, it is a position that continually we kind of find out, like, you don't need to pay the big money for these guys because as long as you have a competent offense around your running back, you can put a, a, a you know, what would be a middle-of-the-road running back into a system and let them flourish. So it, this, is a, this is a crazy deal. And look, the Steelers got rid of Antonio Brown a year ago for a third and a fifth-round pick, and I ripped that. You know, a second and a fourth, I guess, is, is more compensation than the Steelers got for Antonio Brown. But, you know, are, you know does... Does uh, does Hopkins have the same baggage that AB had a year ago? Absolutely not. And you hear these rumors that you know he didn't get along with Bill O'Brien, but this is a this is an insane trade for Houston. I feel bad, honestly, for for DeAndre Hopkins, who's a great quarterback, who now all of a sudden lost his you know his safety valve and his his great wide receiver. You're talking about Watson. You feel bad for Watson. 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I definitely feel bad for him as well. I think it was a movie gallery trade for. <laughs> The Arizona Cardinals, and I think it was – or no, no, no. It was a movie gallery trade for the Houston Texans, and it was a blockbuster for uh, for uh, the, pretty much the Cardinals. Um, I mean, you're pairing Kyler Murray with the best wide receiver essentially in the league. I mean, he's top three no matter what, and yeah. you're not getting that much back for him. Just an awful move. Even if you don't like the guy, you got to get something better than that for him. In my opinion, it was was just kind of shocking to see. Like I saw the report initially come out uh, this morning that said, "Hey, you know, I think it came from Pro Football Talk." Mike Florio said, "Hey, it looks like potentially the Cardinals could trade DeAndre Hopkins because they're in draft hell." And I was, I looked at it and I was like, "This is the same guy that said Joe Burrow doesn't want to play in Cincinnati a few weeks ago." So I'm not sure if I'm really taking this take. And then, um, like like you said. you see the trade happen for David Johnson, and it's like, okay, that makes sense. You know, they did kind of have an issue at running back last year. Carlos Hyde might not be the guy there long term. Duke Johnson really isn't a starter. So, okay, this makes sense. And then, like you said, you just see it come across the screen, and it's just like, what? Yeah, and I'm like, is is Nuke 30 or something? Like, I had to go and look at his age, and he's 27 years old. Right, he's in the prime of his career. Yeah. It's, yeah, this is just going to end all bad. I mean, especially when you see that. David Johnson is kind of a shell of himself and see a lot of running backs like Todd Gurley and a lot of these guys just not living up to the expectation of those big contracts. Look, that conversation between Houston and the Cardinals should have gone. Cardinals calling Houston, oh, you want D-Hop? How about your first round pick? How about the 10th overall? Right. Uh, No, that's too much. Like, is DeForest Buckner Buckner better than... DeAndre no. Hopkins? <laughs> I think he's more of a difference maker, right? I mean, he may be, he may be Forrest, a better defensive tackle, but you know, he's not a better Forrest defensive tackle. Forrest Buckner is a good, not great. I think he's been. I I actually think the the Niners. I would have kept Buckner and not Amster. I like Buckner better than Amster, but they are good because that D line is great. It's right. hell of a great, right. and that helps those guys. I was surprised that the Colts gave up a first and paid 21 mil right. for that. Might as, well, might as well go ahead and give 25 to Clowney. Might as well. At least you right. kept that first-round pick. Right. I'm not critiquing Especially the Especially at a team that needs a quarterback too, right? Then they, they trade away 13. That could have been a quarterback. In yes, draft, right. or at least they could have used something to move up and get a quarterback. I don't get it. I, I don't. I, again, it's, this is why I understand COVID is a serious, serious thing. That obviously we can see where it's affecting the most. People are getting delusional. <laughs> I mean, this. I mean, I haven't critiqued 
indie that much because the Houston one is just baffling. Yeah, There's right. no worse trade this year than that one. We well, can't. can I can I play devil's advocate with that for a second? Because like, they, okay, so <laughs> let me let me let me let me go through what Bill O'Brien might be thinking here, right? Because if you're gonna okay, so if you're gonna trade away DeAndre Hopkins for a second and a, and a fourth pick swap, and then you're gonna get back David Johnson, you've got to be thinking two things. One. They were looking to trade Hopkins no matter what, right? Well, this wasn't a hey, we'll want to, you know, we'll take a first round pick. No, uh, okay, you know, we're gonna keep nego- you know what I mean? Like they weren't hanging up the phone. They they were gonna keep negotiating no matter what. So this is the best deal essentially that they could get. You have to believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, if they were gonna trade him, you know, if if it came to a situation where Hopkins and Bill O'Brien couldn't work together, essentially a behind closed doors Antonio Brown situation, right? Where they they had to get rid of him. This is the best deal they could get. Maybe, although I think we can all agree they they should have done better than this deal. And if, and and the idea of bringing David Johnson in, I could see that in a case of like, look, I'm not a believer in paying running backs, especially if you're trying to to transform your entire offense to what the Jets did last year with Le'Veon Bell, right? You know, bringing mm-hmm. Le'Veon Bell in to save your offense is not gonna, you know, he's not gonna transform your offense. You have to put pieces around him to make it work. He's a great running back, right. but he's not gonna do it by himself. But Houston does have, and they are building a a pretty good offense there. Now they're gonna lose DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but you know their offensive line was certainly better than it's been. They have Watts in there, uh, so bringing in David Johnson, maybe they feel like they can resurrect his career and get him back to where he was, and that starts to rejuvenate some things. You know, that's the best I can do playing devil's advocate here, but that's got to <laughs> be what Bill O'Brien's thinking, right? Look, there's a team that clearly needs a wide receiver, and they have I think three first round pick Oakland Raiders, and they're looking for splash players to go to Vegas. You don't think yeah. the Raiders would have given them whatever the last first-round pick that they have for Hopkins? Hell yeah. They, who's but, the yeah, receiving although, core? Remember, they got burned on Antonio Brown last year. And so if they're – look, and I know we're, I'm drawing these comparisons between Antonio Brown and Hopkins. Not to say – nothing a, to say yeah. that those two people are yeah. the same, right? But, you know, you have to imagine that this situation in Houston had to have gotten toxic for them to take this deal because there's it's not a good deal. So if they they just they have just wanted look, him out. Look at this. For the Raiders, the Raiders could have been like, okay, I'll trade you my last first round pick for that guy now, Brady, because they're trying to get Brady over there. Yeah, Brady, look, sense. I had that big monster there of receiver for you. That would have made sense, right? Again, I'm just baffled. Yeah. I'm shocked. I don't know how this happened. Although a lot of Ravens fans are hating me today because I said that we had we would never get Hayden Hurst traded for a second round pick. And we did. Oh, whoa, whoa. The clown is here. Whoa. Whoa. Look who it is. <laughs> How's it going? How you guys doing? I Pretty told good, you, the clown, you will, the clown will come here. It will be here. We present each other. And I said, Mr. Quincy, a.k.a. the clown fan, he'll be here. He'll get here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been a decent day, despite all this uh, mess going on with the virus. Uh, I'm ready to talk to all y'all about this fact. This free agency uh, fiasco, fiasco right now, you know. I think me and Sonny gonna be on the same page, but I, I'm pretty sure Tony and Ace. Yeah, we're on the happy. same page as well. Me and, <laughs> me and Tony are on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> so we're lining up with the side of the screen that wow. you're on. Yeah, not a whole lot going on over here. I mean, like Tony guys. can't be too not happy though, because like it's not like he expected anything to happen today. Um, so some breaking news is that the Raiders and Mariota are close to a deal. We were wow. just talking about the Raiders. Mariota. Yeah. Marcus yeah. keep going to places that don't make sense for him. <laughs> like honestly, even in uh at Oregon, he was 
not really a fit there. They never use Marcus to his strengths. Everybody tries to make him a traditional drop back passer. Right. He's not good at it being a drop no. back passer. Nope. He stinks at it. What he's good at, he can run a 4 5 40 and he's 6 5 230. Maybe somebody should try something with that. Like yeah, they do this, with Josh this, Allen. This can't be a move. Well, I don't know. Is this a move to just compete with Carr? Are they getting rid of Carr and going with Mariota? I mean, Carr is better than Mariota. I mean, let's be honest. Mariota is. Well, Carr is better than Mariota if you try to make Mariota, if you put Mariota in Carr's that's offense. What, that's, right? that's what Gruden does. Right, let me, let that's me, that's, that's let Gruden's me, offense. I, I have a suggestion on what's happening there, and I'm going to do it in John Gruden voice because, you know, why not? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure John Gruden saw, you know, probably worked out. Marcus Mariota was like, hey, that Marcus Mariota, he's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of skill, a lot of things that you want to see at the quarterback position, man. He's he's a real big, real good football guy. So I'm going to bring him in. He's going to light a fire under Derek Carr because they're both guys who are really fast that never run. And you know what? That's what football's about. So I'm going to bring him in. One of us is going to have to start running, and we're going to be ready to play football this season, man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so before we keep going, I, I do want Quincy's take on the Hopkins trade. So we all commented on that. Quincy, what, what is your take on that one? Hey, man, I thought the Browns did that. I even... <laughs> oh, well, like we had to, we had Sean Hopkins, we just traded him. What happened? No, it, it's obviously insane, whatever happened there. There's some kind of breakdown. Um, this is like to everybody that jumps on down the Browns' throat and goes like, hey, this is why football guys are needed and you need football guys. This is the downside to football guys. They have incredible pride, incredible ego, and they do stupid things like this, which is trade your best player because you feel like he ain't trying to do your workout. That is that is ultimately what uh. this probably comes down to is stupidity and Deshaun Hopkins realizing that I'm probably the best player here. You can't talk to me like that. And, you know, Bill O'Brien being like, oh, we'll see what goes on. You know, it's that, that whole stupid thing. And, like, honestly, it makes – remember how bad everybody thought the Giants got fleeced by the Browns last year for Odell Beckham? Regardless of what you think about this, Deshaun, like, my goodness, um, Hopkins is a better wide receiver. Yes. Than, than he's a more reliable end zone threat. He's a bigger target. He has done better numbers for longer. Like, even as a Brown fan, I have to admit this. And they got so much less. Yeah. If the Giants look like they did a good job on that trade in comparison to what happened here. So it's obviously it's just ridiculous. What well, they, Quincy, I was comparing it to the actually the Antonio Brown trade because it's a second and a fourth, right? The Steelers got a third and a fifth. It's actually closer to the Antonio Brown thing, and that is because Antonio Brown, you know, had lost his mind at the end there, and that's all the Steelers could get for it. You know, it, it had to be that something behind the scenes between the Texans and and Hopkins Hopkins broke down, right? That they had to, they felt like they just had to get rid of him at any cost. Similar to the Steelers, right? I can't imagine what that is because, you know, if it's that bad, it's going to be hard to hide. Even the Pittsburgh Steelers with everything that they pride themselves in, how they keep everything inside the organization, could not hide the disaster that Antonio Brown was becoming. And Antonio Brown was such a disaster at that point. And they honestly almost got the same conversation. And this dude's not even in the NFL anymore. That's how bad of a mess he was. He flamed directly out the league. Right. From a dude who's probably talented enough to be a Hall of Famer and a top wide receiver in this league. 
And now he's making trash albums right now. And I don't music even music videos. Bro, I have to block Antonio Brown on Twitter. I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have Antonio Brown on Twitter. Okay, so <clears throat> yeah, I'm still shocked. Hey, in my opinion, Hopkins is definitely better than OBJ. Look, regardless of what he has done with Watson, before Watson, he had a carousel of quarterbacks. The dude wasn't saying a word. He went there. He did this job. He was producing. I mean, with people that not, they're not even the league. I guess Keenum was there for a minute, and he's still in the league because we're going to talk about him soon. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm just shocked. Anyway, so let's talk AFC North. Um, and let's talk, let's talk with, let's do the two quick teams very quick here. Let's talk yeah. about, yeah. let's talk about the, the Bengals. Huh? Yeah, the- I got a lot. I can go for an hour and a half on the major moves the Steelers have made today. Big let's start with the Bengals. Because the Bengals, I haven't heard, no, they signed somebody. They, I don't remember the person. They spent like $8 million on something, right? Signed AJ Green. Um, AJ Green, yeah. We just franchise tagged him, which we know that they, we're going to do for months. Um, they put tenders on a bunch of bums that nobody even cared about, <laughs> which is like $8 million. Um, and they pretty much twiddled their thumbs for the rest of the day after, you know, reports came out 13 days ago through Ian Rappaport that the Bengals were going to be active in free agency to uh, get rid of the narrative that they claimed at the time that uh, the Bengals had for not spending money in free agency. And they didn't do anything. Um, the only thing that was exciting today was that they possibly looked into dealing Andy Dalton to the Chicago Bears, but I think they're playing a pretty dangerous game of chicken when it comes to that. Um, there's still potential to see if uh, they're waiting on this Tom Brady thing to kind of figure itself out. I'm not sure if that's the second potential shoot- suitor, but I think that those are really their only two options. But severely disappointed as a fan, not surprised but pretty much disappointed that they pretty much caved into the narrative where they have money, but they're not doing anything with it. So what do you think Joe Burrow's doing watching free agency? Joe Burrow's probably watching watching this free agency and is probably thinking to himself, Carson Palmer was right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's probably thinking right now because um, in terms of what Carson said this front office does, they don't prioritize winning, so – to have guys out there, and I wasn't expecting them to go after, you know, a Byron Jones or anything like that, but I at least thought that Graham Glasgow or, you know, Nick Kwiatkowski, these aren't like household names that I wanted them to sign, but they, from what it seems like, didn't even put feelers out on these guys. And they literally have um, huge holes at the left guard position, uh, which, Sonny, we've talked about the offensive line a lot. Uh, they've got huge holes at the linebacker position. Like right now, they don't have anyone there except for Jermaine Pratt. So we expected them to at least do something, but they have done absolutely nothing. They lost Clayton Fedulum. Um That was a big loss because he was a special teams ace, and he was a pretty solid backup safety. Um, and essentially, they haven't done anything to get better. They've just remained the status quo as a team that, won two games last year. You would think that there would be some kind of aggressiveness, but there clearly was not. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised because for me, the Bengals were going to – that's my opinion. I was like, okay, Steelers are going to do shit, and the Bengals are coming, and they're going to at least overpay for line because they're going to show Burrow, dude, we want to protect you. You're the franchise. You're coming here. That's our main thing. 
So I was shocked that they didn't go after O-line. I was not expecting them to go to corners, linebackers, none of that. Because they, they probably think this is a couple-year plan. But O-line, so they can protect Joe Burrow, I thought that was going to be it. So I was shocked that, that I didn't see any um, targets for the O-line. Nah, they really think that Michael Jordan is the answer, which is scary to even think. <laughs> and they cut Cordy Glenn, who was essentially our best tackle. So I, I don't know what the Bengals are doing. I, I don't know what their plan is. I mean, there, there is something to not getting involved right now, right? Because this is the overpay time when, you know, you got guys like Eric Flowers making $10 million a year and whatnot. You know, yes. <laughs> there is something to like waiting until the second wave to kind of get more value. I understand where you're coming from, right? Because the Bengals are, you know, a team, you know, picking first overall for a reason, right? They were just were not very good last year. They have a ton of holes. Right. Um, but I guess there's, you know, there, there's time here in the next couple of days. Maybe they, you know, maybe they pick up. But, but the reality is when you're a bad team, you have to overpay. Because nah, if, the right. Bengals, if the Bengals oh. offer the same as a competitor team, Usually that player is going to be able to put them on competing, right? So as a bad right. team, you have to repay until you get better, and then you're in that position. Go ahead, Quincy. I'm going to tell you, Ace, I know you're disappointed right now in the Bengals. I know you're upset, but I honestly don't think this is a bad thing that you guys didn't sign anybody. Um, I think that right now, if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you – probably need to be knowing that you're you're the Cincinnati Bengals knowing that you're not owned by like Jimmy Haslam or somebody like that who is going to be willing to just incur penalty after penalty spend money after money waste money after money um uh, I think it's very important that you take the bill nice and slow I think right now you have not enough but you have enough well you have a good amount of support around him especially if you can draft well on the offensive line which is a huge question mark um, but if you can draft well on the offensive line, you have enough support around Joe Burrow to where he can develop at his young in his first two years without having to worry about you stunting his growth. You know, I don't think the roster is that bad to that point. I think they will probably find some solutions that aren't Mike Jordan on the offensive line. Um, but you know, I understand your disappointment with the team. But I think also the Bengals understood that they're at a decent enough place. They know they're going to be able to get Joe Burrow. They know that, hey, they have enough here to support him when it comes to weapons, that he's not going to get stunted. And they're going to wait until they know exactly what they have with Joe Burrow. And then if they're going to make that once in a decade, you know, spending spree, they're going to want to make sure they do it to capitalize on a window that's going to be there if Joe Burrow turns out to be who everybody thinks he's going to be. And so instead of being wrapped up in these two, three-year deals that you're going to have to overpay if you're the Bengals um, to get these guys right now, because I'm a Browns fan, we've done this whole rodeo and sucked and signed Paul Kruger to $10 million deal because <laughs> we just need to sign somebody on right. you know, the first day. And we got right. all excited about it. They had the big press conference. We were convinced Paul Kruger was going to be like the next T.J. Watt or Dick J. Watt. And, you know, it never bore fruit. And by the time this team was ready to do anything good, you know, we're trying to get rid of his contract. So right. I think, you know, it's structurally for the Bengals. It makes a lot of sense to, to slow it down, be smart, make incremental upgrades in free agency, one or two year deals, if they're going to be a decent name, if they're going to be, you know, uh, but I think actually what the Bengals did was along the lines of what I thought they would do. And I think it's actually um, beneficial to them in their plan on rebuilding if they want to get back better. 
And you guys are also getting Jonah Williams, which I love him coming out of the draft last year. He was my favorite O-line. It's, like it's like an extra pick this year. Right. It is. Yeah. It is. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Let's go with the Squealers. Because the Squealers are hot. They, that, oh, make they were making moves. Making moves left and right. So can you tell us, Tony, everything that the Steelers have Absolutely. done and how happy you are? This, you know, today was a great day for the Steelers. As always, they were as busy as anyone in free agency, signing exactly no one uh, today and just restructuring a bunch of deals to get under the salary cap. So with the CBA being signed over the weekend, uh, that allowed the Steelers to do the restructures they needed to do. It also gave them the ability to make the space they were going to need for the biggest move of their day, which is franchise tagging Bud Dupree. Uh, now, Bud Dupree had a, had a, you know, a slow start to his career, but... Uh, finally, in his fifth year, he, pardon the pun here, turned the corner as an edge rusher. Uh, and so, you know, he was, I think he is worth, you know, what is he going to make, $15.5 million this year. It's, it's going to be interesting to see if they sign him to a long-term deal, but essentially they're going to have him for this year. Um, and I think that's good because you pair him alongside TJ Watt, and you, you know, you have the core of a, what is a, a very formidable front seven, uh, and the secondary behind it, also pretty good last year. So that defense should, should be where it was last year. But to do that, they did have to cut a bunch of players, and this is where the Steelers are going to run into some problems this year. We'll talk about it. The depth problems in Pittsburgh are going to be real. They cut Anthony Ciccolo, who was their, their uh, swing outside, uh, outside linebacker. That saved them $5 million. They cut Mark Barron, someone they signed last year from the Rams. He was pretty much a starter all year. Uh, you know, Again, a flexible player for them. Not very good, but he did bring some athleticism that they didn't have at inside linebacker. Uh, you know, Devin Bush, I think, is, is hopefully going to have to take a bigger role in the defense Next year, that saved them about five and a half. They cut Johnny Holton, the player no one knows about, but the Steelers threw to him about once a game, uh, trying to get a deep ball. Never, never got there, but uh, you know they tried it. They tried it sixteen times, uh, and then they and then uh, they looked to trade Ramon Foster uh, this morning, and uh, he found he got word of that and said, eh, "I'm out," and he retired. Um, so that saved them another four million dollars. They also restructured a couple players. They restructured Vance McDonald. They restructured Chris Boswell. Look, this is a team right now that is over the cap they are trying to get under the cap they have more moves to make later this week they have to they have to give uh, uh tenders to guys like mike hilton zach banner matt filer bj finney's an unrestricted free agent as a guard uh and a player that can not only play guard but center when pouncey gets hurt so they have a lot of moves they have to make to clear up even more cap space you know the steelers are not going to be signing any big names this week what they're going to be doing is trying to make a bunch of cap space so they can keep the guys they already have and get into the draft and and fill these spots and the problem for them is they're going to go into next season losing a bunch of players you know, they already lost javon hargrave today he signed a big deal with the eagles uh, a couple minutes before we started recording here you know, the steel the steelers problem in in 2020 is gonna be twofold one you know we talked about this a million times is ben roethlisberger gonna be healthy again and two is this team gonna be gonna be uh gonna have depth issues at so many different positions that it, it's just gonna be a domino thing of something happens week two a guy goes down and then, you know, it, it, they can't fill that gap, and it just kind of uh, it, it spirals from there. So the that's the worry in Pittsburgh. But, you know, I think keeping Bud Dupree is, you know, the, the news of the day in Pittsburgh. So, so, so you think at this point the Steelers are not positioned to win-now mode. That's not what no, it they're looks. in win-now mode. Oh, no, they're, they're in win-now mode, but they're in, they're in keep, it, keep this core together. Because remember, last year, right? Last year, everyone thinks that last year's Steelers team is this disaster. It was an 8-8 eight eight team that had – Two of the worst quarterbacks in football, right? I mean, they had a duck starting for them at quarterback at the end of the year. You have the mask. Come on, you are excited. About I, I like duck. No, no, I like duck. He didn't play well at the end of last year. We can all admit. Don't play duck, duck, duck like that. We duck didn't play well at the end of last year. <laughs> 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 you, yeah, listen, I watched this last three games. They were not great. Um, 
So, you know, the, the, if they get Ben Roethlisberger back, they have a core offensively that hopefully they can work with and hopefully Connor can stay healthy. And, and they're going to maybe augment that with a running back in the draft. But, I no, they're definitely in win-now mode. I think this is a team that feels like they have a two-year window. The next two years, they can win a Super Bowl, and then Ben's going to retire and we go into quarterback hell. But um, in the meantime, this is their window. The reason why I say you would have thought if they really were in the win-now mode, and, and Quincy and Ace, you can agree with me or disagree with me, is if they really wanted Dupree, they should it they should have signed him to a long-term deal, lower that cap hit, because if they're win now mode, they can push that money for the future. Cap problems no more. At well, this they, they point, may they may end up doing that. It's just I know early days. But every day that passes is a day that you're losing the ability to get a player. If they wanted to keep Dupree, they should have signed him to a long-term deal. Well, okay. Here, here's 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 what I'd say to that. If you're gonna sign Bud Dupree long term, I actually think that's a bad. I think that's a bad thing for the Steelers because I agree. They can't sign Bud Dupree today and TJ Watt tomorrow, and then Juju's contract comes up, and then Minka's contract finally comes up, right? They, you know, they've got two. Then Devin Bush's contract comes up, right? You know, you're gonna have whatever's gonna be in thirty, forty million dollars tied up at edge rusher between him and TJ Watt. And you have no quarterback, so you have space. We have no quarterback. Yeah, no, that's when you. Yeah, that's we got we got thirty four million dollars of a quarterback right now. Okay, so that's another problem for the Steelers. Uh, no, yeah, I, I think I think look, it's it's an all in thing for this year. I don't I don't actually expect them to sign Bud Dupree to a long term deal because look, the the market for Bud Dupree starts at sixteen million dollars. What he's making this year, he's going to say, look, I want an average salary of sixteen million a year. I don't think the Steelers should pay that for Bud Dupree. Um, I think they should they should put that money towards a TJ Watt next year. Uh, so that's where the Steelers are right now. Um, I think that, you know, the Bud Dupree thing is for this year only. Yes, they could lower that today by getting rid of, by, by, by signing him to a long-term deal. But it, you, again, you're kicking the can down the road and they've got some bigger contracts coming up. Some guys you want to keep even more than Bud Dupree. I'm talking about TJ Watt, Minka, Juju. Um, you know, th those are guys who have to be higher priority. Go ahead, Ace. Uh, my question is, um, Javon Hargrave, how big of a loss is that for you guys? Because a lot of people talked about how, you know, how much potential that he had. He was very disruptive for you guys. From a Steelers fan perspective, is that a huge loss for you guys, or is it just, you know, he's replaceable? It's it's not a look. It's not a huge loss because the guy only played like sixty percent of the snaps, so he wasn't an every down player. This isn't this isn't like losing a Bud Dupree, and I know why. That's why they prioritized Bud over Hargrave. But this is going to be a sneaky loss for them because yeah, you know, look, Tuit got hurt last year for the entire year. Tuit's a very good defensive end when healthy. Uh, but Hargrave had the ability to not only play nose, but also go go uh, and play D end and played in 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 place of to it and was you know kept that defensive line being disruptive and and opened up lanes for guys like Bud and TJ to make the plays. So yeah, this is this is not going to be a you know he's not, not a household name in Pittsburgh, but I think Steeler fans know this was a guy who was disruptive on the defensive line. It's not going to be easy to replace him. Um, and this is another one of those spots where the Steelers are going to have depth issue now. Where, okay, so last year, two went down and they were fine because Hargrave came in and Hargrave played well. Hargrave's not here anymore. So it's Tyson Alualu and a bunch of guys who have never heard of or someone they're going to pick up in the draft. You know, they have no money to go and replace Javon Hargrave. Um, this is one of those things where I think depth is going to be a problem. If Tuit and Hayward stay healthy, they're fine. But in all likelihood, one of those guys is going to go down and, and both those guys have had significant injuries throughout their career. If it happens again, they have depth issues again. I, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I think the Steelers are in trouble, man. I think the Steelers are in trouble with no depth. And it's a then, theme. It's a theme every time we do this. The noodle arm of Big Ben will get you. It's a robot arm, okay? It's a it's a steel elbow that he's got. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'll tell you the Steelers, I think um, they just had kind of a, 
don't know. It's just a business as usual kind of free agency period. They didn't yeah. really have any big – well, they didn't have any – I don't think any decisions that are going to affect how many games they were or were not going to win this season. Um, you know, this free agency is going to reflect just like their regular season. It really doesn't matter. It all depends on what Big Ben can do. Like yeah. the, I think that's if Big Ben can lead a top rank offense, if he can lead the league in passing yards, hey, you know, it's going to be an interesting race at the top of the AFC North. Um, but if he can't, then, you know, then we're looking at 500, you know, one game over 500 football yeah. for this right. team. Maybe even less because of the added, because some of the death issues, even though it's in positions where the Steelers generally don't have problems re-upping. Um, so I wouldn't, you know, suggest that they would have issues refilling there. The The big question mark with the Steelers is what we always talk about when we get together is the question, the question mark quarterback because they don't have a history of being able to replace that quarterback. I mean, if you look at this team in the early 2000s before Big Ben got there, you know, you were throwing around Tommy Maddox um, and – and, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, the Antoine Randall L salute, like all that. Work. Yeah. Hey, he threw he threw a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Randall yeah, Randall you know. L is a hero. Yeah, you had a lot of different solutions that you know people don't remember. Yeah, because they weren't there for it. But you know, right. it, it was troubling for the Steelers, and they were only able to really get there because the whole AFC North just wasn't playing offense at that time. Because what even even the Ravens were throwing out what like, Kyle Bowler at the time and Trent Dilfer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a uh, little, little uh, Charlie Batch action in there as well. Hey, Charlie was good. Charlie was good. Sonny <laughs> remembers that game. Sonny remembers that game. I think it was the year the Ravens uh, won the Super Batch. Bowl. Yeah. Charlie Batch beat the Ravens. First time year. I saw Charlie in Batch Baltimore. enter a game. First time I saw Charlie Batch answer the game, I was like, why is Heinz Ward at quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, Steeler fans, I think I think there are a lot of Steeler fans who don't realize how good they've had it in the Ben Roethlisberger era. Because, you know, growing up, I mean, my, the quarterbacks I watched as a kid were Bubby Brister, Neil O'Donnell, Kent Graham, uh, Mike Tomzak, then Cordell Stewart, who Cordell I loved. Stewart. Cordell Stewart was my favorite. Uh, but, you know, he, he, didn't, he, didn't have, he didn't have a great career. He was okay. Um, and then, yeah, then you go into Tommy Maddox and then finally Ben Roethlisberger. But look, no, no Steeler fan should be looking forward to the time when Ben Roethlisberger does have to hang him up. Because, you know, we talked about this before. The Steelers are headed for quarterback hell. I mean, you know, they you know, thought Mason Rudolph was the answer, right? This is a team that was so excited to, to, to get Mason Rudolph. They traded up to get him in the third round. They thought, what a value. We got a first round quarterback. Uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> So we're gonna try that one again in a couple of years. That was that was supposed to be the guy you guys stole from us, right? You, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. We were so good. excited. Yeah, oh, yeah. So oh, Kevin, oh, listen, if you go back and watch that 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 pro game, the post draft press conference with 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 uh, Tomlin and and Colbert, they're so excited to have gotten <laughs> gotten him. I mean, they're they're beaming about having gotten been able to get Mason Rudolph in the third round. Wow. And, um, oh man, what <laughs> hadn't worked feel. out. Hadn't hey, worked out. you know. I remember the Browns were excited about how they got Brandon Whedon at 27. It, it happens, man. <laughs> Brandon Whedon, man. That's one of my favorites. Oh, goodness, yeah. So I, I talked to a Steeler fan today, and he was saying, because he was asking me, Sonny, you know about football. Is there any way we can go to the league and say, here's Mason Rudolph, can we get a refund? <laughs> <laughs> can we get can we get like a fourth or fifth round back for him? They should, give a, they should give a compensatory pick to the yeah. Steelers for yeah, yeah. Mason Rudolph. So, like, hey man, sorry. sorry yeah, he was they like, were like, man, he went to Oklahoma State. You knew, you all knew. You what guys you have to there. do. All you guys have to do is get Bill O'Brien on the line, and he'll yeah, work exactly. out a deal for you. 
Call the Bears. Take Deshaun Watson. Call the Bears because apparently they're willing to trade for any mediocre quarterback. <laughs> they're looking to trade for Foles. Because they don't want to pay for uh, Teddy Bridgewater. It doesn't make oh, any sense what they're doing. Yeah. Well, one thing I do want to shut down that's been talked a lot about with the Steelers is that any talk of Jameis Winston to Pittsburgh makes <laughs> zero sense. You know what I'm here for? It. I'm it, here for the Jameis to Pittsburgh. Like, it cannot happen. Let's it's do impossible. it. It's impossible. And I would love it. No, no, no. Don't, they don't get me wrong. If it happened, I would love it. Of course, I'd love to have Jameis as a backup. Thirty, The 30-30 club, baby. Bring it to Pittsburgh. No, 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 no. You're going you to trade Ben. You're going to have to no, get rid yeah, of See, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Stop. See, Stop. look, look, look. No, no, this is no, happening. No. This look, is where we answer crazy what, what's now. The Steelers, what's the, who's the Steelers' best player? Every Well, one of their best players on defense, right? TJ. TJ what? Or are you talking about Minka? We talk about Minka, right? All right. Yeah. You need to so in training camp, you're gonna have to make sure Minka's ready. Who else is gonna help Minka be ready to catch all these defenses <laughs> with Jameis Winston? So Minka is no, 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 no. That's so why the Bucks team is so bad because in training camp, Jameis is making it so easy for him. They get into a regular game, and the defense is like, wait, why aren't they just throwing it right to me? I don't understand. Defense is gonna be catching every ball that's thrown their way because they were like, Hey babe, we've been on the judge machine all training camp. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Davis been throwing us all these interceptions. But the reality <laughs> is, if I was a Squealer fan, which look, I would try, I would uh, cut Big Ben and sign Jameis Winston. You would not. If you were a Steeler fan, you would not cut Big Ben. If you were a Ravens fan, you would cut Big Ben. If you're a Steeler fan, you keep Big Ben because you watched him win two Super Bowls. And the guy you're talking about bringing in threw 30 interceptions last year. No, they had more yards than Big Ben did the last like. season that he played, though, yeah. right? More yards, and I believe more touchdowns. Yeah. Just saying. Hey, uh, was it? I don't think it was more touchdowns, but it was it was it's more interceptions and more yards. Yes, he can make a mediocre guy like Juju Smith Schuster a star. Oh, here we go. Exactly. <laughs> hey, you were the one. You were the one in here that said Juju might be good, but yeah, that Moncrief guy. And that James Washington. Okay, remember, remember, I'm the guy who called James Washington, who I believe we all voted on last podcast as. Comeback player of the year, right? So, you know, oh. there's not a lot going on in a wide receiver right now. <laughs> Every time I see Eli Rogers in the XFL, I'm like, damn, that's James Washington for years. That's the exact same player. They're the exact same No, 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 no. The Steelers should bring back Eli, though. Player. XFL shut down. The one transaction I want to see the Steelers make is get Eli Rogers back in the building. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's one player we can afford. <laughs> Oh man! And Cardell okay. Jones can be the bring Cardell in for the backup spot or PJ Walker. One of oh, those guys. Like seven straight interceptions in the X. Well, you know, look, he didn't have a great end there, but uh, <laughs> for one or for one or two weeks, he's a good deal, and that's all they need him for, right? One great value, weeks. Jameis. Go ahead and get great value, Jameis in there. Yeah, look, man, you gotta get Jameis in there, man. You know, like y'all gotta get Jameis in there. Y'all gotta get some youth. Y'all gotta get some talent. Oh, yeah. You know, get somebody to get Deontay Johnson the ball. I mean, like, look, look, Jameis Winston was well known for being held down in Tampa Bay with yeah. his lack of weapons. You know, right. he had to make Mike Evans, now too? He had to make Mike Evans and Chris Godwin work in Pittsburgh, where he's gonna have a beast like Juju Smith Schuster coming exactly. off a seven hundred yard season. You know, I think <laughs> he's gonna be able to do real damage. Real damage. James the burner Washington on the outside. Oh, Nobody can touch yeah. you. Comeback player of the year, James Washington. Okay, listen, yeah. I told you guys that guy was gonna have seven hundred yards here, and he did. I like, <laughs> accept your apology. The upgrade from Chris Godwin to James Washington is like going from the from the A10 to the Big Ten. You know, grading grading wide receivers who had Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges as their quarterback, maybe not. Maybe we maybe we can pass that year. 
James Winston might be the only guy to convince Moncrief to come back. And I know that's your boy. <laughs> Moncrief is not my boy. <laughs> I know Moncrief you drafted him. Absolutely not my boy. It's one, of the, it's one of the dumbest takes I've ever had. I'm going to have a lot on this podcast. <laughs> so we can keep a tally going. But Moncrief, so far, my dumbest take as a uh, Steelers podcast host. I thought he was going to be a fantastic receiver for them. And then he... Uh, I think he caught, I'm going to look it up here, uh, four passes for 15 yards this year. So, How many targets? Uh, 15 targets on 15 targets. <laughs> so well, He's 0 for 10. I believe he started 0 for 10. So it's 4 of 5. But he's, not, he's getting better. He actually should have kept him. <laughs> that was horrible. Okay. Oh. 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 All right. Oh, wow. Tony's boy. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about the two teams that are making move. Uh, so let's start with Quincy <laughs> and the Clowns. So they, they, before you were here, um, Tony was saying the Browns won the the offseason. They're trying to win the offseason. Back-to-back. Uh, Back-to-back offseason champs. Which Stop I would it. argue that the Dolphins. banner up. I think the Dolphins <laughs> are actually trying to sign every, anybody that has a pulse. Uh, <laughs> but... Quincy, talk about all the moves that you guys are making and which ones you like, because I'm very interested to hear the backup quarterback situation there. Uh, but talk about all the moves you guys made and why you like them, why you hate them. I've, I've been actually pleasantly surprised by the front office this offseason. Had no idea what to expect. Um, I knew Andrew Barry would probably prefer going for younger free agents, but I just didn't know how many younger free agents you can go for while also being in a situation that you're going to be in if you're the Browns, which is in three, in well, in two and three years, two years you have Miles Garrett up um, and David Njoku, who I think is just going to be gone. Um, but in three years, you're going to have Denzel Ward up. You're going to have um, Nick Chubb up. I think maybe even a year before since he's a second-round pick. Um, and you're going to have Baker Mayfield up. So I was like, they have cap space, but they don't really have flexibility because – presumably you're going to want to keep those young pieces on this team because those are three, hopefully, and I'm speaking about Baker Mayfield, the other two are more locks in this sense, um, Pro Bowl level players that you're talking about. So I was interested to see what they were going to go in, knowing that's their mentality, if they were ever going to sign some young players to, you know, smaller, smaller, shorter deals. And, you know, they weren't small deals, but they definitely were manageable deals and they were the correct amount of lengths, um, years on them. Um, I think Jack Conklin was a pleasant surprise that they were able to get. I thought we were going to have to look at somewhere in Anthony Constanzo, Jason Peters kind of duct tape patchwork kind of fix for that left tackle position. Even And, and price wise was so bad. Yeah. And I know Jack Conklin's not a left tackle, but he's, he's a right tackle, but he's going to flip side for $22 million a year, which is what they're going to pay him in that first year. Um, and then you go to a guy like Austin Hooper, again, you know, a good tight end. The money's a little high, but I think the commitment and the money in the area shows a clear change in direction to what this offense is going to look like, which is more twin tight end sets, more play action, more of that offense that you saw Baker Mayfield thriving, not this offense they had last year where – you know, they, they have hardly had tight ends out there. David Njoku was a complete afterthought the entire season. You know, they were throwing the third string guys like Ricky Sills Jones and trying to make all these weird things happen. You know, I think it's a commitment to just getting the offense fixed, getting Baker Mayfield right. I think once you get that, then everything else will fall in line. 
A lot of money on that offense. I mean, you got at least $10 million on your top three targets in Austin Hooper, Jarvis Landry, and um, Odell Beckham, excuse me. Cat's going to be coming up here. Uh, But it's going to be worth it if you can open it up. And I think the Browns are making a clear bet here that they probably aren't going to fill all the holes they have on the defensive line and that linebacker and in the secondary. And they're probably just going to go all in here with trying to have a very good offense. Um, so I, I've been, I've been pleased. The case Keenum one's the only one where I'm like, yeah, I don't know if 6 million a year for a backup quarterback makes a ton of sense, but given the style that the Browns are going to play, given the familiarity, um, Chase Keenum has with the offenses that Baker Mayfield has come from, I believe Chase played under Lincoln Riley. Um, it's had a similar transition into the league is a shorter guy. Maybe they feel like there's some value there and some mentor and leadership. Um, that Baker can get from Case Keenum that's worth that money. We'll see. Um, I do worry that Case Keenum's too good of a backup that if Baker has like one bad game at the beginning of the season, people are going to start calling for him. But all in all, I think these were these were solid moves by the Browns. Um, I don't think they were the biggest, flashiest moves. I didn't really expect them to do much today. Um, but, you know, this this was a good move. This was a move in the right direction, and I hope they continue to take steps. This is an encouraging um, thing to see from the front office, to be honest. So the only question that I have is, um, obviously, you got you also tag Hunt for three point two six mil. Oh, uh, the tender on him. Yeah, they tender, which is it's not bad. But how do you think? Do you think there's gonna be a problem in the offense when Baker is not throwing the ball to OBJ? And Landry a lot because they seem to have a little bit of, you know, they were. I will say to credit for to to OBJ, he wasn't making like public tantrums, but they. No, he's going to every sideline before the game and saying, "Come get me." Let's not forget that story. Allegedly, (laughs) let's not not forget that story. The "Come get me" stuff happened, or at least it got reported. (laughs) So, so, but that I was surprised when they got Hooper because I was like, okay, I understand that another. Threat in the end zone. I'm assuming Njoku might get traded, might just roll with it because he's cheap right now. But now you have a lot of mouths to feed with a lot of egos. Hooper doesn't strike me as an ego guy, but you just paid him 11 mil. You want him to produce. Baker, Landry, a lot of egos. And Joku, obviously, he wants to make cake soon. So he wants to, you know, to get the ball. How do you think they're going to manage that? I think it's, um, I think honestly, it's going to be a lot easier. Because when I watched the Browns last year, sure, they had all these guys that they had to feed, but then they would get, you know, into all these weird packages where they have their fourth string wide receiver out there. I mean, how many times did, you know, the Steelers see Kadero Hodge out there, you know, for the Browns, who was just an undrafted guy, not even supposed to be on the team. Um, <laughs> but the Browns have all these options and miles to feed. I think it's simplifying it to having an offense that, yeah, sure, there's a lot of miles to feed but you're going to have an offense to where those are really the only options that you're worried about on the team. You're going to run a lot of two tight end sets, which means a lot of time. Um... Uh-oh. Oh, we, we lost it. Oh, it was the cat. I'm sure uh, it was the yeah. cat. It must have been. <laughs> it was I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested that he thinks they're going to keep Njoku. Because I, I have a yeah. feeling. What, weren't there rumors that they were going to trade Njoku last year at like the trade deadline? I felt like that meant that they were going to trade him. Yeah. I, when I saw it come across, I was like, that must mean Njoku's on the trade block. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, I look, I know Stefanski can run some two tight end sets and um what they you know, 
wasn't it that he came from Minnesota where they had Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph, right? Yes. So, you know, like he may run two tight end sets there, but I don't know. I wonder if I wonder what the value they could get for Joku is. Well, so the Ravens just traded a tight end, right? Yeah. And they got a second and a fourth. Right, you saw fourth. No, 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 no. And a fifth. A second, okay. a second and a fifth. And then we traded, so we got a second and a fifth, and we traded Hayden and a fourth. Right, right. So, I mean, well, there's, you know, there's value to get there. Yeah, your point about the kind of mouse to feed in the Browns' office, I think, is the right one. Because I, I always went back to last year when Kareem Hunt was brought in, and I kept thinking to myself, boy, Nick Chubb is having a fantastic year. And every time right. you're giving Kareem Hunt the ball, you're not giving Nick Chubb the ball. And that's a mistake to me, right? I mean, I understand you don't want to run a guy into the ground. The Steelers did this with Le'Veon giving him 400-plus touches, and you shorten a guy's career, no doubt about it. And maybe that's part of the calculus there. But, boy, you know, you you have Chubb and you have um, and you have Hunt there. I feel like you, you go with one, right? I mean, clearly the guy is Chubb. At wide receiver, it's fine to have all the, you know, the options they have at wide receiver are fine. Tight end, though, is another one where, um, you know, I feel like – Okay, the two tight end set is fine, but you're gonna have two tight ends and two running backs and all these wide receivers. You know, it is it it, it is a too many mouths to feed situation. Yeah, I mean, like I would disagree though, um, just because. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I plug my computer. Yeah. Save all this. They can, right? What they can. You're no, she sat on my tower and unplugged everything. Okay, so I just put her in a different room. Uh, but yeah, it's just um. I think. Do, do you think Joku's on, on the trade block? Who? Joku. Do you think Joku's on the trade block? I can see it. Honestly, I don't think Joku's gonna. I I don't know what the deal is with him. You know, I don't know what they think about him. You know, last year it was very weird how they handled him. Um, you know, I wouldn't count him as a mouth that you have to feed necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're David and Joku, honestly, if you get like six touchdowns and 400 yards, you had a hell of a uh, So, you know, that being said, you know, it's the mouse defeat thing. It's really not going to be that difficult of a problem because, again, you're only going to have um, Jarvis and, and Odell out there mainly, you know, as the wide receivers. So they're going to get their fair share of the load from Baker, especially Jarvis, since he's going to be such a reliable threat on, um, you know, short third down situations um and then you know with Hooper and Njoku you know their job is also to block for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Kareem Hunt can get his production they show that those two can perfectly coexist last season um in the backfield um so really honestly all you're adding to last year's team is a more confident competent structure and a more competent tight end to that equation um, and I think that's going to be fine. I mean, like last year, even like Odell didn't have a great season, but like a lot of that was up to the offense and Odell and Baker themselves not having great seasons. And, you know, um, the, the opportunities were still there for him to go over 1,200 yards if he wanted to, just like Jarvis Landry was able to. You know, there's going to be an opportunity for Austin Hooper to have a big year, and there's going to be an opportunity for Nick Chubb to lead the league in rushing. Again, like he did last year, and there's going to be an opportunity for Fremont to be able to, you know, fill in in the roles that he did last year. So uh, the Miles defeat thing, I don't really worry about that. And honestly, it's not a problem unless the team sucks. So, you know, 
these are things we only talk about if they utterly fail. Right. And ultimately, you know, if the team's good, it's not really a point, you know. So I don't think they have too many miles to feed. I don't think that's ever the problem. It's about if they can, if they can figure out the structure for all of these guys. Um, and, you know, once they're able to do that, they'll be able to do it. I mean, nobody asks if the Kansas City Chiefs can feed all these miles they have on their offense. You know, because they have a competent structure where they prove that they can get the ball to Travis Kelsey, get the ball to, you know, Sammy Lockins, get the ball to um, Tyreek Hill, get the ball to Nico Perriman. So it's like, you know, it's, nobody ever – if you're good and you're competent, these aren't questions that have to be asked. But since the Browns haven't been competent, I get why the question's asked. Um, I just think I just think it's not going to be a problem unless they suck. And if they suck, it's going to be more – it's not going to be because they had too much talent. It's going to be because they're – Okay, Ace. Let me ask you this though, Quincy. Like we see what what kind of uh, Hayden Hurst kind of commanded. If you were, if the Browns were offered a deal like that, like let's just say, for instance, best case scenario, they get offered a second round draft pick for Njoku. Are they not going to take that? Like when you could use that to help bolster the offensive line or or something like that to help Baker out or help your defense out? Would that be something that you guys would be open to, or do you think that still having Njoku uh, you know, as an extra weapon per se, helps you guys? Or would it be better to, to trade him away and, and perhaps use that on another asset to help fix the offensive line? I think um, I think if they could get a second-round pick for David and Joker, they ought to take that um, and make that trade. I think that would be a fair value for him. Uh, it's, again, I don't think David and Joker is a critical part of the equation. I think he's bonus points. Honestly, right. Um, yeah, and it's going to be really upon his ability if he can get time in the offense this season if he improves as a blocker because um, this offense that they're going to run is going to require David and Joker to be a competent blocker, which he hasn't always been. Um, so, you know, if the Browns do get a second round pick offer or even a third round pick offer, I would not be surprised if they took it because you know at this point I don't think David and Joker is a big part of their plan. All right. Okay, so and my other so my other question was gonna be on the Kareem Hunt. Do you think if there will be looking to trade Kareem Hunt? No, why would they do that? I mean, they had the beast last year on the running back side, and like Tony was saying, that takes carries away from him. I figure, you know, if you get Kareem Hunt there, Kareem Hunt probably. Next year is going to be a free agent. He wants to get the ball more, right? So he's a guy that wants to um, – hold on here. Quincy has a double camera situation going on here. There you go. Yeah, we just had – Hold on, hold on. We have feedback. We oh, have we're, feedback. We're going to go mega echo. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Now, so, so what I was saying is – you had this um, situation that Kareem Hunt is going to demand the ball because he wants to do good because he wants to get paid next year. That's why I think they might look to trade him and then maybe sign uh, a rookie to be taking some of the load out of um, Shub, but not a guy that wants to have the ball so that he can shine and get paid next year. So I think, I think what Sonny is saying is you guys fall into kind of the limit that the Bengals have right now, right, where we have Giovanni Bernard and we've got – and obviously, Kareem Hunt's very, way better than than uh, Giovanni Bernard. But we've got Giovanni Bernard and we've got Joe Mixon, right? And 
we suck at using them together. Like you guys are probably better when it comes to using them, but we kind of got to a point where it's like we had to pretty much give Joe Mixon the lion's share of the carries for him to be Joe Mixon. Because whenever we would try to like swap it and give Gio like 10 carries, it just took away from what Joe Mixon um, could potentially do as, as the complete lion's share starter. So I think that's what Sunday's kind of getting at is, does he, is, is, I guess, um, is Chubb better off with him being the lion's share guy versus him having to give 15 carries or so to Kareem Hunt a game where it kind of can't, they kind of cancel each other out in terms of getting a rhythm going. I, I think, um, I, th- I don't think that's going to be an issue because I don't think, they're going to take carries away from Nick Chubb. Um, if you look at how they used them last year, I think it's probably going to be a similar case, even though there's a different coaching staff. Um, either the Browns are going to run them both an incredible amount, like the like the 49ers have, or they're going to make Nick Chubb the, cow, the bell cow and then have Kareem Hunt function as kind of a, a, a secondary option from the backfield and more of a third option as a wide receiver. Um, I think that's what the what's carved out for Kareem Hunt and at $3 million, it's kind of a fair role for him to play since I don't think anybody's going to take a second round tender to get him. Um, so I, I think there's a role carved out. I think, you know, Kareem Hunt is going to be able to use his skills as somebody who's played fullback a little bit last year for Nick Chubb as somebody who was able to kind of be the third right receiver option um, out the backfield for Baker Mayfield. That's going to be his role. I think, Austin Hooper, Jack Conklin, and Kareem Hunt, the three deals that they really did, even Case Keenum, are all about protecting and giving Baker Mayfield a blanket. You give him a blanket with a good tight end, experienced, smart tight end like Austin Hooper. You give him a blanket by giving him a good tackle finally. Um, You give him a blanket by keeping Kareem Hunt, who's going to be an option out the backfield, going to be a check down. Um, You give him a blanket by uh, giving him um, options at the wide receiver position. That's what they were able to do. And I think, I think, you know, it's a lot of big names, but, you know, ultimately the big names wasn't the issue. It was the dysfunction that was the issue last year. And you're really adding somebody who, in Austin Hooper, who's really not the biggest name in the world to that equation. If, this, if they were adding DeAndre Hopkins to the equation, then I'd be more concerned. But, you know, I, I'm really – I think this is kind of a, a non-starter for me. All right, let's talk quarterback for a second uh, because it's interesting that they bring in uh, they bring in Case Keenum. Um, you know, last year, they you know, they had Gary, – Gary, Gary Gilbert was their backup quarterback all year, right? Yeah, well, uh, kind of. It was supposed to be yeah. him and Drew Stanton. Right. Um, you know, and, and I believe Baker did not miss a game last year either, right? He started all 16 games. So I'm I'm look I'm trying to come at, I'm trying to come at this without the idea of like this is a backstop in case we have to bench Baker Mayfield right it, it just it feels like that's what Stefanski's doing here right is he saying look I got I got Baker and Baker's fine but you know Baker threw 20 plus interceptions last year if he does it again maybe we have to go the other way here let me get just a backstop in case this Baker thing keeps going the wrong direction am I wrong in that um kind of, I I don't think you're completely wrong I think it is kind of a um, insurance policy because I, the Browns are at a point where we're like, hey, we got to compete. We got to be yeah. good. We can't mess around. You know, and I said this last year, you know, Baker's third year, this ain't going to be time for excuses and he's still developing and he's only X years old. 
No, like in his third year, he's going to have to win. He's going to have to be productive. And if he's not, then Case Keenum's going to step in. That is just that's the nature of the beast, you know, in your third year in the NFL. So, yeah, I think it is, you know, putting a little bit of pressure. I don't think he's brought in to compete necessarily with Baker Mayfield, but he is an option that's there to, hey, look, if we have to, if Baker Mayfield is not doing the job and he's not getting to bother these players, we have a guy who can be a competent NFL quarterback that can step in and stop the bleeding if that is. Or if Baker Mayfield, you know, knock on wood, gets injured, you know, hopefully, I, I hope, I certainly hope that doesn't happen. But um, if he does get injured, then, you know, you do have a serious, you have an option where you know if you can go a decent amount of season with this guy there in case Keenum, um, you know, it's just giving more security to the team. And the team's not at a point to where they can just afford to throw away the entire season if Baker Mayfield gets hurt. They need to have an option there. I think Case Keenum's probably the best guy you can sign that can give you that kind of an option while also not being that much of a threat for Baker Mayfield's position. Uh, and this is going to be a, kind of a stupid question, but because uh, I want to ask you to get in his head, but like, how is how is Baker going to take that? Like, you know, is this going to be a problem where, you know, he internalizes this during camp? Obviously, he's going to be asked about this, right? He's going to get, oh, Baker, you know, you got competition now. How do you feel about them bringing in a backup quarterback now, right? I mean, is this going to be like a Baker against the world type thing again? I feel like if it was somebody better, it could be. Um, you know, they definitely worry about that with Baker Mayfield because he is very competitive and he is kind of petty. Um, yeah. He has been better about all that kind of stuff this offseason. He really hasn't made the same headwaves and, and headlines that he did last season. This season, obviously, he's been humble because the season has been humbling. Um, but I think he understands that they need to have a decent option behind him. Um, and, you know, it's... I always say this, but your backup quarterback in the NFL is a direct reflection of the team's relationship with their starter. You know, if these are younger, up-and-coming guys, that probably tells you a lot about what they think about the starter or where that starter's at in his career. And, you know, if it's somebody who just shouldn't even be in the NFL backing them up, it tells you a lot about what they think about them. Last year, they thought the world of Baker Mayfield. They thought it was no possibility that he could fail. They had Garrett Gilbert, his high school teammate, backing them up. You know, um, he got the Peyton Manning backup treatment. And now this year, Baker didn't play so well. They got to they have to do something while they have Miles Garrett on this roster still. And Nick Chubb in such a good roster that, you know, hey, look, they like Baker. I think this move says I like you, Baker. But, you know, can you sign this prenup before we get engaged? <laughs> <laughs> OK, so let me let me transition now to the Ravens move. Um Boo. Now, man, the Ravens. I think oh, the Ravens. Man. The Ravens did a lot of low key good signing. So we we okay. have. They're not even low key. They're not low <laughs> key. They're, they're well, just they good signing. <laughs> they won the division. My God. We <laughs> have nothing low key about this. Ravens. A reaction low from key. Ravens fan. I have seen Engraven partying on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. For two straight do not tell me this is low key he has he has my point low is key. we didn't break the bank like uh so we we traded for Kalias cam but we give him a fifth round we ended up yeah it's, tra- a, it's a great trade yeah so we ended up trading two fifths for marcus peters and Kalias campbells and then we still had one fifth for the kicker that we traded to the vikings that got cut the week after we traded him so we still had that fifth round uh, we traded hitting her, so we we got a tight end that you know, we need to replace at some point. But 
we got a second and we basically swapped fourth, I think. Let me see. We gave up a second and a fourth. And uh, no, I'm sorry, we traded Hurst in a fourth and we got a second and a fifth. Uh, so basically fourth and fifth and they ca- kind of cancel each other. So we got a second for Hurst. And then we just find Michael Brockers uh, to bolster that interior D-line. Um, I think all those moves are good. Um, I think we as Ravens fans were like, damn it, our D- we knew our D-line was our weakest point with, with the middle linebackers. Uh, and we were, okay, Tennessee ran out, went through ran through us. Uh, we, we cannot sign Michael Pierce. He's going to get overpaid. We think he's going to get overpaid as a one of the top-rated nose tackles for PFF. We got Brockers. We got Khalil's Campbell. We're going to kick uh, Brandon Williams to more his natural position in the nose tackle. I think we have a very solid interior D-lineman. Now, we still had Judon, which I think we're going to trade. The other thing the Ravens are positioning themselves, if they want, is they have assets now to go trade up into the draft if they like one of the outside rushers to bring him to Baltimore. Um, and that way they still have some flexibility of cap if they do that. So I think the Ravens are doing – I call it low-key because we didn't go up and break out the bank. We didn't go up and spend a bunch of money in, in a guy like Hooper or the top lineman, right? So so you see Van Noy is a position that we needed. That guy got overpaid. He's in the Dolphins, right? And a couple of the other positions that we really needed, they got overpaid. Michael Brockers, three for 30. I mean, that's 10 mil per year. That's a solid. It's a middle of a pack signing. I think it's one of those that you like. This is a guy that bolsters your defense. Definitely a starter. Uh, good character guy. Uh, can be an anchor there in that 3-4 D and DT ta- uh, position. And that's what the Ravens needed. We didn't break the bank. Now, Judon is the one thing, right, because he, he has Bud Dupree. Is counting whatever 16, whatever 16 or 17. 15.8. 15.8. Yeah. So is, yeah. that is a lot of money for Judon or, or you know, tied up, not for Judon, but tied up. So the question is, what will the Ravens do next with Judon? Will they trade him? Supposedly, the Jets are looking to give up a second and a fifth for Judon. So that's a trade that I think we should explore because that second is a top three second. Um, so that's definitely a trade that I probably will take if they think because after that, now you have a first and two seconds. Now you really can move up in the draft and get the, whoever that top rusher they the Ravens think it can fit their their um mold. Go get him. So I think the Ravens did good in this first day of free agency, and they usually are more of a day two and day three of free agency. So uh, I'm looking at is overthecap.com correct here because I'm looking at your cap space here and it's 4.9 million dollars. It's not a whole lot to work with right now. Yeah, so, <laughs> kind of in Steelers territory over here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a little quiet for a couple of days. Yeah, no. So over the cap, I think, I think, and this is just me. I think over the cap has an error. This is now. I, I to be honest, I don't. I cannot confirm or deny this. I think the cap number hits you when a player signs. So the same thing for Dupree, the same thing for Judah. I don't think Judah has signed the, the tag. I don't think Dupree has signed the tag. That so they, combo isn't, isn't cheap. I no, he's not. That. No, he's, no. 15, he's yeah. $15 million. Yeah. yeah. And he's 33. I didn't realize he's 33, and you look at him. Look, he had six and a half sacks last year. Yeah, but he's a two-year he's deal. worse than four years. True. Yeah. He's uh, a two-year uh, deal. He's a, good, he's a good player, but. I got some breaking news. I'm only going to break it because it's stupid that it's happening. 
Um, but you guys all remember Eric Murray of the Cleveland Browns, right? Yeah. Some of you don't aren't familiar with him. I'm not surprised. The the Texans have just given him three years, twenty million. <laughs> of course, it's what? the Texans. I'm telling you. Oh, the, oh, the Texans. We, okay, okay, Texans. Okay, was, never mind. It was thrown in. This dude was thrown in as like, ah, here you go. When we gave when we gave the Chiefs Emmanuel Agba, they just gave him three years, twenty million. <laughs> I didn't even consider that. Did he start? Did he start for Cleveland? No, not really. He stunk. No, yeah, he was like a spot player, right? Seven mil, seven mil. What is Bill O'Brien's going to get fired? He's going to get fired by no, the end he, of this he year. He hired himself as general manager. He can't get fired. He hired himself. That's he's the gonna, problem. He's going oh, to buy the team next is what's going to happen. Okay? How good Eric Murray the, the is. Going. Here's how good Eric Murray is. Um, our starting safety, one of them uh, – started to threaten to fight people on Twitter and the other one is Demarius Randall who had concussions. No, you don't don't what about Morgan Burnett? Don't forget about Morgan Burnett. He tore his ACL. Well he tore yeah, his, he's back. He tore his Achilles at Pittsburgh after having the best half of football ever in his life. Um, <laughs> and, and, and even at that point the Browns were he was like the third guy the Browns went to on that safety rotation. And even then they were like we're gonna throw in Sheldrick Redwine who was a disaster Seven. better than they would but they gave him seven. Wow. Wow. Hey, Ace, bro, you trying to train real quick and just play, like, try to, like, convince the league we can do mediocre things. You know what I mean? Like, I just go like, work out for the Texans. Yeah, just, like, get, like, a little, like, get that DK body on and it's just, you know, just show up, like, hey, give us 20 million. That's why like, if the Jags are struggling trying to trade Nick Foles, just call up Houston and see see what they have for you. Dude, I, I'm shocked because at this point, I, only- I really wonder what's going through Deshaun Watson's head right now. Like, that's going to be such an uncomfortable meeting with him and Bill O'Brien the next time that they meet up. Has he signed long term yet? Not yet. No. So this is why I'm not. Hey, you know Deshaun what? Watson is like, boy, once I get out of quarantine, they're gonna have to hear from me. <laughs> this is why I'm not a fan of coaches being GMs. There are very few coaches that can be good GMs. They're very few. Yeah. And Bill O'Brien, I mean, look, Bill O'Brien now has ran Clowney out of town, Hopkins out of town, and whoever that was the GM, I don't know the guy's name, out of town. It's Rick Spielman, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Him? Whoever, a bum. But anyway, <laughs> that's three guys, and he has to have pictures of the owner. He has to. This point. Well, remember, I mean, they keep making the playoffs. The thing about him is, you know, he keeps doing the one-and-done thing in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah, because so. – yeah. That's true. And I actually, they, you know, they they won this they won this year because the Bills completely collapsed. I mean, the Bills should have won that game. But this is why I I don't, I don't disagree that he might be a good coach, but as a GM, anyway. I don't even know that he's a good coach. He just he look, he's, he's not a good they, coach. I mean, he's following the lead of Bill Belichick, who is one of the most overrated GMs of all time. Yeah, yeah. No, he's actually uh, a bad GM. I mean, he's actually a bad GM. Yeah, Bill Belichick. The hoodie. Yeah. Yeah, so he makes more bad moves than he does good moves. Now, you know, he also has Brady. I mean, like Bill Bill Belichick, I heard somebody say this, and it's the absolute right thing, especially if you listen to hip hop. Uh, Bill Belichick is like the Dr. Dre of the NFL. We're like, you'll hear a lot of people, you're like, yo, this dude is hot on a Dr. Dre project, but you have never listened to one of their single albums. Like, That's you know, true. That the is. last time we heard about Mook murder outside of Dr. Dre, you know what I mean? There are dudes you only know about because they was cool with Dre, and then once they get away from Dre, it's like, whoa, what happened? You know what what I happened? Mean? Yeah. Jamie true. Collins, he get away from that Dr. Dre, you know, all of a sudden he and the Browns being mediocre, get back over there. Oh my goodness, he's hot. He got bars. 
is insane. You know? <laughs> so like, you know, I'll give Bill Belichick that, but Bill O'Brien is not Bill Belichick. Sure. And if you think he's gonna get twenty million dollars out of Eric Murray, we were upset that we traded Emmanuel Agba for him in Cleveland. Uh, Emmanuel Agba. We were like, we're not getting proper value for this dude we paid $900,000 for. Um, and they just gave this man $20 million over. It's like the year where all those NBA players just getting ridiculous deals. You saw, like, just bums get, like, six years, $40 yep. million. Oh, man. That's – wow. Who, who? Crazy. Yeah, man. Look. But my I, point I, is – like, quarantine and Bill, Bri- Bill O'Brien lost his damn mind. Because because Houston Houston has to pay um, Tunsil, they have to. There's no option because they give up a two first round picks for right, Tunsil. No, they're paying Tunsil. They're paying Tunsil. But no, they didn't even want to pay their best player. They didn't. They didn't. Supposedly him and the coach didn't get along. Didn't they just sign Hopkins like oh, last year? No, if Hopkins if Hopkins had three years left. How, if you can't get along right. with Hopkins, and I, the person that Hopkins is. I don't think you get along with Laramie Tunsil. Like, yeah, that's true. Hopkins signed in 2017. Laramie Tunsil is necessarily throwing the line down there in Houston. That's not what he's been known for in his career. Tunsil's probably going there like, what are you going to do with me, bro? Are you really going to – what are you – cut me? After you give two first-round picks, are you really going to yeah. cut me? Tunsil like, hey, bro, I you ran the new CBA. You know what I'm doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. All right, okay. as long as long as we're we're breaking news here, we got okay, Mariota to the uh Mar- Mariota to the Raiders happened. And also there's a report now from Boston that the Dolphins have entered the Tom Brady picture and oh, are very interested. This is Which, crazy. look, we're all waiting for that domino to fall, right? Because all of us want to see Tom Brady over in the NFC. Go to Tampa. Sure, that's I think game. I think he's going to – I think the Tampa thing is there's actually a chance that that be. can happen. It should be. Yeah, yeah. Big time receivers? That'd be an awful fit, though. Him in a Bruce Arian system at his age? You know how much he's going to – Yeah, Arians going to want to air that thing air out. out. He wants yeah. to air it out. I don't got no air left. Tom, Tom is deflated. Okay, that whole that thing is deflated. He's got no arm. I think, I think after the 30 30, he may be reevaluating that. That 30 <laughs> Maybe we got to throw passes, you know, a little under 15 yards. No, Bruce Arians, man, he's had some bad quarterbacks and still have obtained by that system. He was like, no, we're going to air it out. That's how I play ball. We're going to do it. Got I'm big chunks, baby. Though. Big chunks. I remember that. I'm shocked that nobody's I'll giving do- uh, opportunity to Teddy, man. Is it, is uh, I heard, I heard Teddy. Chicago was in the mix, and then it's it's a hard. Like, Teddy for yeah. me, I think most people are probably worried about the Nick Foles thing happening, where you give him a big contract and then you're just stuck. Because like the Jags, I don't even think that they could give Nick Foles away at this point. But you give him a one year prove me deal. The contract is too crazy. The contract is crazy. Like they're gonna be stuck with Nick Foles for at least this year. Yeah. Okay. So we have been here for an hour. So before we wrap up, I think after they want a free agency, where do you guys think your team needs line for the draft? So I'm going to start with Ace. Take your first number one overall because we know it's going to be Burrow. But you essentially have another first in that pick 33. Who right. do you think they should target for pick 33 position wise? Not necessarily a player, but position wise. I think position wise, they have to look at at two uh, positions. They're either going to have to look at guard, especially it's not looking like they're going to address guard in free agency so far. 
or at least get a guy that they can plug in and start. Um, so I think that you look at guard, maybe even right tackle, right? Because this is a deep uh, tackle class. So if you have one of those guys like Austin Jackson, or I can't believe it now, but Andrew Thomas is following. I doubt that he'll fall that far. But if you have one of those guys that should have been a first-round tackle slip to 33, you got to look at it. Uh, same thing goes for linebacker. If it's one of those guys that um, is kind of top-heavy, it's kind of after you get past the, the Kenneth Murrays and those guys of the world, it's a huge drop-off. So if one of those guys falls to 33, I think you also have to look there. Okay. Tony, so you have one pick in the second round. And it's you like, know what I want in the first round, though? You know what I want in the first round? I know. I know. But you I think a safety you... might be okay. <laughs> you know, like, Minka. Minka okay. might not be a bad <laughs> uh, Okay. Second round, what do you think you should be targeting? Uh, in this draft, you know, look, a lot of Steeler fans are thinking running back. There's been a lot of rumors about running back. Brings up, you know, this is a good running back draft. Second round is probably the right time to start taking some of those top guys. Now, mm. not all of those top guys are still going to be there, but you're probably going to still going to get value there. I- I'm not a running back in the second round guy. I think it's a, you know, this is a league where you can just put a Raheem Mostert in and make it work. Um, so, you know, I-, I don't like the running back. I do like wide receiver. Honestly, I like wide receiver. I, I think this is a, this is a draft where in the second round you can get a first round talent at wide receiver because it is that deep this year. Um, so, whoever look, there, there's a lot of guys they met with the, the kid from TCU, Jalen. Yeah, Rager. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Rager. Rager. Yeah. yeah, he's good. Um, he's good, and I don't know if he lasts till the second round. But you know, look, the Steelers have a very good history of drafting wide receivers. Yeah, James White. James Washington, right? James Washington, yeah, yeah. I mean, Comeback player of the year, I agree. Who they had those? Deontay Johnson, mini AB. Lima Swede. Lima Swede, oh, what a, what a great player he was. Could have caught a great touchdown all against I the Chargers. All I know is that the Steelers wide receivers uh, were all over the XFL. I don't know how they <laughs> said They wouldn't draft Eli Rogers. Uh, so I, I like, I like look, wide receiver in the second round, they don't usually draft wide receivers that early. Uh, they usually wait. Uh, actually, no. Second Juju. round is Juju yeah. and James Washington. Yeah. So actually, no. Second round is perfect. So, they don't draft him in the so first they round. They draft the wide receiver early. Just know already, Steelers Nation gonna hype him up because of the Steelers. Oh, Nation. Yeah, he's the best. He's the best wide receiver. <laughs> we don't even do this. We're so good at finding wide receivers. He's hot to work Okay, so wide receiver. Okay. So, so yeah, wide receiver. Yeah, and, and offensive line's another one. Steelers are gonna have some mm-hmm. problems on the offensive line. It looks like so, or at least filling gaps. Uh, so offensive lineman is on quarterback. The quarterback maybe. Possibly. No, no, <laughs> absolutely not. There's and a, if anyone says, "Oh, Jalen, our Steelers fans, Jalen Hurts," no. What if this happens though? I think this is the only way. This is not gonna happen. But let's say, just say for instance, Tua falls to the second round. The Steelers pass on him. Okay. No, no, you gotta take it. Okay, okay, all right. Come on. <laughs> how about, hey, how hey, I love. We have to remember that they're signing Jameis Winston. Yeah, that's right. So you'd have to be backup to the backup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough. No, Jameis Winston. Loaded quarterback room there, boys. We may go in a three-quarterback set. You know Jameis Winston getting a five-year, $120 million deal, $80 million guarantee. That's the starting money. That's starting money. They're going to have to get rid of a band and probably yeah. probably forego T.J. Watt when he's up for his extent. Yeah, no, no. Trade him. Trade him. Yeah, yeah. yeah I saw that video. About the leader in passing yards and touchdowns of the, 2020, of the 2019 season. The, the last guy to do that was Ben Roethlisberger for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were, they were talking wow. about how great he was <laughs> on that front. And, you know, you can't deny that Jameis yeah. Winston is the leader in those categories. You're right. You're right. Nice. No, it's, uh, it's a perfect fit. <laughs> I got to reevaluate everything. <laughs> okay, Q. no quarterback in this draft at all. I mean that. I mean the Steelers are not taking a quarterback. Should not take a quarterback at any round. No quarterback. 
It's going to be the year where like a fourth round quarterback turn out to be like the best quarterback in the NFL. The next Russell, next Russell Wilson. Like, Russell Wilson just come out of nowhere. Y'all should sign. Y'all should honestly sign PJ Walker. Y'all almost did sign him. Like I'm not even joking. Like that's a good no, Landry Jones. They're gonna. They're, they're, if they're anybody from the XFL, it's Landry Jones because he was in the Steelers already. He nice. The system. Well, I know they tried to wa- work out PJ Walker during the season, but he was under his XFL contract, so they couldn't. Get same with Landry. Yeah. Same with they did the same thing with Landry. Yeah. I would Car- just say if y'all Car- still Jones. Cardale Jones came down to reality. <laughs> Cardale Jones decided that he wanted to stay in the XFL. <laughs> you know what? They paying me veteran minimum. I'm cool with this. I'm gonna just stick here. Like you know, I ain't trying to get. I ain't trying to play back into the league. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> okay, Q. Uh, for you guys, so pick number ten. What do you think? What positions do you think they're gonna be looking at? I really hope they look at defensive tackle. The Browns have had a gaping hole in their defensive. Uh oh. Uh oh. For the longest time, because this experiment. Oh, did we good? Start we good? Over, we yeah. good? Yeah. You cut out for a second. Start it. Yeah, start that over. All right, all right. So I think the Browns should go for a defensive tackle, preferably the big one out of Al- Auburn. I think that is, if you can get him at ten, that would be fantastic. But they need a difference maker on the interior of the defensive line. Their run defense has been abysmal the last two years. We can blame it on linebackers. We can blame it on not having Miles Garrett, but it all starts in the middle of the defense. Ask Steeler fans, ask Raven fans whose run defenses aren't historically awful. How they avoid it? They put a lot of big dudes in the middle of the defensive line. It seems to be a good, it seems to be a working strategy in football, I guess. Uh, So they need to get some big dudes on the defensive line. Sure, can they get a a premium left tackle prospect at at 10? Yeah, but if it's not the guy that you love, don't do it. Um, I think the bigger hole is honestly at that defensive line position. This, This defense has looked so much worse. When they don't have, especially when they don't have Miles Garrett, but even when they have Miles Garrett, they have looked so much worse and been so much um, more vulnerable because the inability to stop the run. And in a in a in a division that's going to have Joe Mixon, in a division that's going to have James Conner, I guess, in a division that's going to have you know Lamar, the Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram, you know the best running attack in the NFL. You have to be able to stop the run. You cannot bleed on the ground. It doesn't matter how many points you can score because the teams can bleed you like that. You're going to have no shot. So they really need to stop the bleeding there. And I think you do that by getting a premium, big old freaking defensive tackle that can sole those holes up. And I think it's a simpler hole to fill um, in terms of you can get somebody at 10 who can be productive immediately um, for the Browns at that position than, you know, trying to get a tackle or offensive guard. So for the Browns, I, I hope they try to do something about this run game, this run defense, because it's been a hole. It's been a hole for two years. We've tried to say, oh, well, Joe Schobert's going to plug it up. That was a joke. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we, we've tried all these things. I think the reality is, you know, Larry Ogunjobi's way too small to play interior defensive end, defensive tackle. He gets ran over all the time. And he gets huge holes opened up his way. We need Sheldon Richardson to play like Sheldon Richardson, or at least some semblance of him. And we need to get heavier on the defensive line because there's nobody that demands a double team that's not Miles Garrett, which completely outdoes the entire logic of having a Miles Garrett 
because that means you can get a double team and a one-on-one on the other side because you're going to have somebody else take up two blockers. No, you, you end up actually not freeing up any space because you have no push in the interior defensive line. So they need to get that figured out. They need to get that solved, and I hope they understand that and don't go for you know what the fans are saying, oh, the offensive line needs to be needs all these mega hole patches. No, the offensive line is going to be fine with Jack Conklin um, and maybe another signing for right tackle. The defensive line has a disaster and needs to be fixed. So I think Brown should be there at 10. But anyway, so I think for for the Ravens. Derek Brown's oh, there at 10. I'm going to be off the hook. I'm yeah. just going to tell y'all. I'm going to be off the hook. I think gonna, I think, I think it will be because of the quarterbacks. They're going to trade for quarterbacks. They're going to go back to the top 10 for the quarterbacks. Please let that, let that beautiful, massive beast, almost cursed, fall to the Browns. I will be doing cartwheels through the quarantine all the way down to Cincinnati and thanking everybody. Okay, so I think for the Ravens, the moves show that we are basically looking into the linebacker position, middle linebacker position, and wide receiver for the draft. Uh, So that pick 28 is probably going to be a middle linebacker or receiver, or we might just scoop back and trade back a little bit. On the and then grab middle linebacker receiver. We position with that first, and now we have two seconds and two thirds. So we have capital to grab that middle linebacker and the wide receiver, and then an edge. Depending what we do with Judon, if you trade Judon, it's gonna be for a high pick. So with that again, we can move up and get a an edge. Um, but I think the Ravens are positioning themselves for getting that middle linebacker because I don't think the unless they get a guy as uh, Quincy hates Chobert. Uh, a guy like that that can be a you know placeholder for a year or two, uh, but they're probably going to be looking into draft a middle linebacker in this draft or a receiver with that pick twenty eight. Anyway, guys, this is it. This is what we're going to be doing here. Like I said, during the year we're going to do this once a week as the draft is coming. We might probably get a get together, do a couple mock drafts, and talk about the draft. Uh, so be sure to subscribe to this new channel um, and you can follow each of us. For me, it will be Sunny in SEU Sports on Twitter, Facebook, IG, and YouTube. Tony, where they can find you, man? You can follow me on Twitter at Steeler Country. I do a weekly spot on Locked On Steelers, but uh, most importantly, hit subscribe on this channel down there. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification. Ace. Yep, uh, I am on YouTube at New Stripe City, also on Twitter at New Stripe City, but definitely um, subscribe to this channel if you love hearing AFC North talk. Quincy. And uh, you guys check me out, Quincy Carrier, youtube.com slash Quincy Carrier, worst take, put in this name. You'll find me talking about all types of topics according to the NFL. Um, And again, if you're a Bengals fan or you're just an AFC North fan watching this video or a fan of a small market team, check out my most recent video about ESPN's small market bias. Um, it's a, it's one of my favorite pieces that I've done on the channel, um, and I think it's really well done. It's good stuff. Definitely good. Is Pittsburgh a small market? No, nah, Pittsburgh one of those teams that everybody favors for no reason. I don't give it. No reason. <laughs> exactly. I figure. First off, they're going to franchise. They know everything. Right? Okay. All right. Okay, guys. <laughs> we'll see you next time, guys. Take care. Peace. Yeah.